I sit comfortably, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Um, over this uh, COVID time, I've often been spending my time on the weekends um, when I have not usually sailing or playing music or running Tharzenkai's um, is uh, writing some short stories and short stories that have often a, a Dharma theme to them. And I'd like to share with you a, um, a short story I wrote <coughs> last weekend. And um, it's based around the, the character of an old tea lady. And an old tea lady is an archetype which you find in many different cultures and you find in thin literature as well, who's a kind of a, um, she looks like she knows nothing and she's a bit of a fool and uh, very humble and so on. And she acts as a foil to two monks, you know, who think they quite know everything and arrogant, etc. And so they act as these foils and they're, they're very interesting characters. And uh, the, the koan that comes to mind that this story is inspired by is the story around Toksan and the old tea lady. And just briefly, um, he goes and he gets served tea by this old tea lady and she says, past mind cannot be grasped, future mind cannot be grasped, present mind cannot be grasped. With which mind are you going to drink your tea? <laughs> so this is a version of the same uh, character, only it's in a different context. And it's called Gravitas, Charisma and the Old Tea Lady. The Old Tea Lady was a great actress. So many times I observed her in the back kitchen, sharp of eye, quick of movement and as upright as a flagpole as she went about preparing the sweet cakes and pots of tea to serve her customers. So many times as she was about to pass through the tassel curtain that separated the kitchen from the tea room, I saw her pause and transform herself into a bent old crone, speaking in her well-practiced working-class Cockney accent. She would, with exquisite expertise, dip and bow and dip and bow and smile, her intentionally stupid submissive smile as she deliberately averted her gaze to her intellectually superior customers. Time and time again, I would see her transform herself into the perfect archetype of the humble servant. And I was in awe of her, not only for her thespian skills, but for the complete lack of ego that allowed her to move so effortlessly from one role to the other. The customers played their part in the little pantomime as well, but perhaps without as much conscious intention as they might have realized. They were mostly students from established upper-middle-class families who are currently attending the prestigious and stately old sandstone university, or lawyers and doctors and wealthy businessmen who were the ageing alumni of a generation past. Little did they know, despite their prestigious and well-credentialed intellects, that her deliberate submissive behaviours unconsciously triggered them into taking a position of dominance and social superiority. The tea room was situated just outside the gates of the old campus and it did a lively trade. The cakes and the tea were of the highest quality, served in tasteful old English porcelain and the decor of the tea rooms was the most delicately understated expression 
of oldie-worldie rustic simplicity. The academia liked that. They fancied themselves as being of the progressive left that championed the rights of the poor. It made them feel good about themselves that they could aesthetically embrace such poverty of spirit. There were two students who regularly attended the tea rooms together. I used to think of them as the odd couple. One was unassuming and rather stout and plain looking. The other, a tall, handsome lad with quick flashing eyes and a body language that expressed a languid disdain to all those around him. The old lady humbly served them week in, week in and week out. I remember that she would come back into the kitchen, smile inwardly to herself and say to me, gravitas and charisma are here again. And I could see the mischievous look in her eye and the wheels spinning inside her mind that would be working out some strategy that would upset the status quo. How she loved to upset the status quo. They were both philosophy students and she gleaned from eavesdropping on their conversations that they were both keen postmodernists who were studying the works of Derrida and Foucault. Charisma was the dominant personality of the two and spoke the most, while Gravitas mostly listened interestedly and asked questions. With her astute powers of observation, the old tea lady noticed that Charisma hardly ever made eye contact with anyone. She wondered whether he might be autistic, but dismissed that idea as a fanciful error of compassion and decided instead that he was just plain self-centered, that his modus operandi of being in the world was that everyone was expected to look at him, not the other way around. It would probably help you to understand my story if I told you that the old tea lady used to be a Christian nun of the Order of St. Clair. She had cloistered herself for many years in contemplative prayer, 30 years in fact, and while she still had a deep spiritual faith, the years of silent prayer had led her to doubt the literal truths of Christian dogma. In her 60th year, she made a pivotal decision. With the blessing of the spiritual advisor, she decided to leave the order and take up a PhD in philosophy from the university. She graduated three years later and it was after this that the idea germinated in her mind to set up the tea rooms. They would serve a dual purpose. The profits could go towards helping the poor and she could also ply her trade as a modern day Socrates, immersed in the marketplace as a philosophical foil to well-educated, arrogant young men who thought their established opinions about life were beyond reproach. One day, as she was serving tea and cakes to gravitas and charisma, she asked them what they were studying at the university. She directed her gaze solely on gravitas and ignored charisma entirely. She smiled and nodded as he told her about the various philosophers they were studying. Charisma yawned and feigned his interest in the whole conversation, but something niggled inside of him that the questions were not being directed towards himself even if it was just an old tea lady, and he was somewhat irritated with the whole conversation. Before she left, she made a point of smiling at him with her fixed, submissive smile until he could not help but momentarily make eye contact with her. This continued to happen on a regular basis, week after week, 
and Charisma became increasingly irritated with these continuous interruptions to his monologue and the pointed eye-gazing challenge to his cloistered aloofness. One day when she was serving tea, she paused and looked at them both in turn and said, I believe the postmodern view is that there are no absolute truths. Isn't that itself an absolute truth, that everything is relative? Gravitas was immediately taken in by the old lady's question and saw the point she was trying to make. But Gravitas was not the main fish that she was trying to hook. He was just the low-lying fruit, if you'll excuse me mixing my metaphors. It was charisma she was after. He rolled his eyes with practised disdain and mumbled something under his breath that it was a waste of time discussing philosophy with the untutored masses. But she kept up her submissive smiling gaze until he briefly made eye contact again and she saw that the hook had gone deep. He was like a marlin that once having swallowed the bait rapidly reels out the line coil after coil as he heads for the depths of the open sea. Gravitas came to the tea house the next day, but he hadn't come to be served as per usual. He came around instead to the kitchen and knocked on the back door. I happened to be the one who answered it and asked him how I could be of assistance. He explained to me briefly the conversation of the previous day and asked if he could speak to the old tea lady. She looked up from her work at her kitchen bench and to his surprise, she walked over to him as a confident, upright, self-assured woman and without smiling, took a long, deep look at him with her penetrating eyes. I remember too that her beautiful, long, grey hair had fallen loosely around her bare neck and there was something of an ageless beauty in her shining face. I could tell that Gravitas was smitten, not only with her intellect, but with the whole transformation he discovered in the mysterious being of the old tea lady. Time is of the essence, and I must keep my story short, as the old tea lady kept me quite busy with my numerous tasks. But in short, Gravitas was invited to join us in our spiritual practice each morning before work, as we sat in silence in upright postures on wooden chairs. She instructed us that there was no point in praying to God and asking for forgiveness of our sins. She said that God just heard that as self-indulgent pap. Instead of talking to God, she instructed us to listen to what God was trying to say to us every moment of our lives. She called this form of prayer, practicing the presence of God. All we had to do was empty our minds and be receptive to each moment. The sound of the wind in the trees, the cooing of the pigeons in the quietness before dawn, the gleam of the morning sunshine as it lit up the grain in the old wooden floorboards. This was the God of love and peace that we could find if we were just humble enough to drop all our views that we projected onto the world and stop groveling for forgiveness. Remember, she would tell us, the words of Socrates, the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. As the months passed by, Gravitas became more engaged in our lives, joining in the prayer meetings and helping out in the kitchen, and I realised that he was falling deeply in love with me. I was not a flirtatious girl, and I did not mean to lead him on, 
But everyone told me I was very pretty, so I guess it must have been true. And I was a lot of fun to be around as well. I loved him too, but more like a brother. He was a dear young man, and I was at pains not to hurt his feelings. As the months rolled by, an unexpected visitor arrived at the back door. It was charisma. But not the same charisma I remembered that I saw when I peered out from behind the curtains into the tea rooms. He had lost his haughty demeanour and was rather humble in spirit and lost for words. He asked if he could speak to the old tea lady. She took one look at him and saw that he was on a journey through the dark night of the soul. He was lost and he was vulnerable and he said that he no longer knew what was true and what was false and what was up and what was down and that his life was in a mess. She looked deeply and compassionately into his sad downcast eyes and simply said to him in a quiet voice, not knowing his most intimate. Again, I won't bore you with the details, but maybe you can already guess where this story is going. Yes, stupid, stupid me. I fell in love with charisma. I'd been given, I'd been, I had given up the opportunity to be with reliable, down-to-earth old gravitas who had loved me unconditionally for the rest of my days and had taken up with the one who was going to be more of a challenge. He was a changed man, a good man, after he came through his dark night experience and out into the light again. But nearly everyone maintains their basic character, even after a spiritual transformation. He remained a cocky bastard at times, and I continued to call him charisma as a somewhat wry and dubious term of endearment. As the years went by, the old tea lady thought it was time that charisma and I moved on and find our own tea house. We did so in a nearby university town and continued our practice together. Each month we would return and pray together in the practicing the presence of God community that the old tea lady had by then established. One lazy Sunday morning, as we were lying in bed together, I noticed something different was happening to my body. I felt my breasts and found that they were slightly swollen. I realized I had missed my period and I had a primal sense of idiot joy that was bubbling up from inside of me. I just knew that I was pregnant. I shook Charisma awake and told him the news. He mumbled something vaguely like, that's nice, dear, and fell into a reverie again. I shook him again and said, Charisma, you're going to be a father. I could see I had caught his attention this time and his eyes widened with surprise and then slowly softened into a tearful, glistening joy. We held each other's gaze, and without words, some unspoken understanding passed between us that we were about to become the ancient servants to the mystery of life renewing itself, where consciousness and matter emerged once again into a miracle called a human being. I wonder if it's going to be a boy or a girl, I said excitedly, breaking the silence. He replied, not knowing his most intimate. Thank you everyone for listening to my story.